When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, it is future Hannah here. I just edited this episode for you guys today. Um, It is not a main series story episode because we have had a little bit of some scheduling issues with our our schedules for episode recording recently. Um, So instead we are releasing this Q&A that we did a few weeks ago. Um, We were, I think, we were originally going to release it as exclusive content, but uh, we needed an episode to put up this week. Um, but yeah, so hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um, big disclaimer, I really don't know why we didn't say this at the beginning of uh, the episode, but there are spoilers for both seasons um, in this episode. There are some sort of moderate season one spoilers, Um, And there are some major season two spoilers up to episode 23. So if you're not caught up on season two, at least up to episode 23, 24, definitely go catch up to that first because there are some really good moments we talk about um, in this episode. And season one, it's, it's safer, but I would still recommend going back to listen to season one if you haven't done that yet. Um, So yeah, just wanted to warn you about that. But uh, yeah, let's, let's dive right into the episode. Thanks guys. Welcome to our mid-season, season two Q&A thing that we're doing. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I've led an episode, um, so it's weird to be back in the driver's seat. Um, but yeah, we figured like uh, we've been doing season two for a few months now. We're getting really into the rhythm of it, so we thought if you guys had some questions, we'll answer them. Um, and we just wanted to, you know, talk about stuff. Um, that we wanted to talk about because we talk a lot. Like we were talking for like twenty minutes before we started recording this, just because we were catching up with each other. But anyway, um, yeah, it, this is all just an excuse for us to talk about D and D without having to think about our characters or our accents <laughs> yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. we can talk content. normally for for an hour. Yeah. Bold of you to um, assume I think about Q's accent. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, the only accent I don't have to think about is Giuseppo's. <laughs> like, I can talk like this anytime, but the rest of them are really forced. <laughs> if, you, if you've gotten to the Usurian bit, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, so we've collected questions from uh, mostly our Discord, but some from our socials um, and some from other places. So uh, 
yeah, not just gonna be chill, chill episode. Uh, we have a list. I have a list in front of me. We all have a list in front of us. I hope. Um, <laughs> I'm always prepared. Um, always prepared. Good. So we. I'm just gonna start off with uh, the first question uh, that is on the top of this list, uh, which is well. Before I before I say it, uh, this is a plug for all of our socials and our Discord. If you would like to join our Discord, where we get most of our questions, the link is always in the description of every episode that we do. I think <clears throat> of all of our recent episodes, at least. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Um, and uh, thank you. Uh, our socials are always at Guildfellows on pretty much everything. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that. So, first question. Uh, what are some of your favorite moments from both seasons and or overall? I've been hooked since the equal, dra- equal dragon rights protest of season <laughs> one. You guys go first. Someone else go uh, first. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll start off with this one. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, it's me. Um, so, season one, uh, I really loved the moment where Dartle got uh, aged <laughs> by all these years. And then, like, you know, he it just sort of established his arc of what's going to happen to him in the end. And then that connecting with him retiring and having to say goodbye to everybody in Nori, I thought it was really powerful. So... It was a good. Uh, it was teed up really well by hands DMing for some powerful stuff. Um, the other moment I really loved uh, is just when <laughs> when Rob did that like stoner guy at a party impression at the Neverwinter Ball. <laughs> he's like the kid. He's last day the whole time. Um, and then my third favorite moment. But no, impression. Don't you remember? I got high in the oh, studio. Oh, that's exactly right. that, for that was that real. Scene. That was, that was oh 100%. Goodness. It's called uh, method acting. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. That that didn't happen. Um, that was really uh, funny. I agree. <laughs> I, was, so, I was thinking okay. actually about uh, same arc when I just pushed that one lady off the balcony. <laughs> And didn't tell you guys I was going to do that. And watching, like, and hearing everybody react to that was just priceless. I was like, that's probably the coolest thing I've done in D&D. Yeah. But true. Nothing, um, nothing will quite evoke the response that the entire Trader's Joe portion of season <laughs> <Yeah>. one, the <laughs> confusion, uh, the chaos of that whole thing will stay with me always. Um, I also liked any time Kitsa was talking about uh, therapy treatments and trying to help uh, Juilliard calm down. Those were very fun. <laughs> yeah, so I think we got this question at the end of season one. So, because uh, I, I think some of those answers have been said before. So how about season two? What are your favorite season two moments so far? Um, um, I, I definitely loved... First. I definitely loved um, the whole, oh, what's the word? The Inquisition with Sinead. Um, anytime you guys let me monologue bullshit as Q is my favorite part of this entire game. Oh my God, so much fun. Um, also, like the first time when Brennan realized that Q was going to successfully like persuade slash convince uh, Lady Arbol to, to avoid combat. Um, I like to think that that's when you realize like, what did I get into DMing? <laughs> it was. I was like, oh man, that's actually where I started stopped like over detailing plots by the way but we'll get to that later <laughs> remind me to mention that later 
Um, I'll I'll go. My my favorite <clears throat> my favorite uh moment is spoilers for the most recent episode, I think episode twenty-three. Um the end of that episode like this is not a super funny or super cool moment, but like the 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 talk with Arthur and Sinead. Like, oh my god, that that had been built up for so long. Yeah, girl. And it was like that that whole episode I was like tense because I knew it was coming. And as soon as, like, it was edited out, but as soon as we, like, ended the session, I literally just, like, screamed. <laughs> it was, like, pent up, like, emotion and anxiety. Just, like, oh, my God, that was so much. And I don't know, like, it's it's hard for me to tell how much, like, that comes off to like other people like uh, my one of my insecurities is thinking like oh man this matters to me but does this matter have we made this matter to other people um so i don't know if other people felt the same if listeners felt the same but that that definitely has probably been my favorite moment just because of how impactful it was to me so far yeah that was i think that was i i totally agree with you i think that is that conversation is also probably my favorite season two moment um, and what's great about that is a lot of that tension in the conversation on Arthur's end was because of a question that it was like, basically you asked like, why did you, why did you say to Sinead that Arthur was proud of her? And I totally didn't right. think that through when I said that in the episode that I said that it was completely just improv in the moment. <laughs> like what's Arthur going to say? <clears throat> he said that. And in that, like, split second, I lost, like, a pound and a half off my body firing neurons to think of why <laughs> Arthur said that. And that the whole rest of the conversation was completely off the dome, like, opened up, like, we're just like, this is, yeah, completely improv. And we did so well. And I think it turned out a, a really good conversation. And so I'm just super proud of that moment of, like, how we set that up, like, completely unplanned. Like, we don't talk about yeah. doing these things before the episode, really. It's just kind oh, of Oh, no, like, no, no, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah Wait, that, you guys I haven't been reading the that. script before the episodes? <laughs> no, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm, that, I'm not even the one that writes that you've been it. mailing me? <laughs> yeah, Amelia writes Yeah, the Brennan script. sends them out every, before every episode, but I, I just I ignore them. Uh, we, I, do, I do think our improv acting has really, like, we're getting really good at it, and I'm really, really happy with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, so I have a couple favorite moments, and I'll keep them brief. But my my first favorite the thing that happened was the original conversation between uh, Lady Arval and Q on the beach. Uh, when she's like, <laughs> uh, when Amelia says "money more," and <laughs> Rob goes "hot." <laughs> and, <laughs> edited the episode kept that in i was like oh that's awesome um i i guess i really love the romance plots because my other favorite is when i uh uh giuseppe was was you know with loriana in the bedroom and i was like oh i'll just have giuseppe be in the closet and then before i mentioned there was a closet <laughs> q was like is there a closet in this room and I was like, <laughs> I thought I'd have to make your world wits plus notice, but you skipped a step because you knew where that one was going. Uh, yep. And then the, the last favorite one I had, I thought was really cool when uh, in the French Revolution episodes, when uh, I set up this metaphor, I was going to shoehorn in 
about chess pieces and and chess etc because yeah that was another i sorry to butt in but yeah that's that's probably my favorite sinead q moment when they were talking about Mm -hmm. revolution uh, inadvertently and then the, and I I did I thought I was gonna have to shoehorn something in like really ham fist some kind of chess thing but you guys naturally without me prompting role played a revolution metaphor with the chessboard right before the revolution started because that was not planned everybody and I was like oh my goodness my players make my job so easy all right well if that's if that's what we've got for favorite moments that's that's our favorite moment so far but as as season two continues since we're not done with it yet obviously. These things might change, right. but uh, we, we got some pretty good contenders already. Um, so this one is specifically for Brennan. Right. Um, this person says, I'm always interested in hearing the behind the scenes of how others, how, how other GMs write prep and keep track of things. So if you want to like talk about your process, I think I talked about my process in our first Q and a, so I, I won't rehash everything, but if you want to talk about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, this is a funny answer because it's changed significantly from beginning to uh, halfway where we are at now. Um, originally, I was like really planning everything out and I would write down like uh, uh, actually Hannah and I used to we got closer doing um, when she would help me like read my scripts because we were in uh, we'd write scripts together for creative writing classes. And yep. uh, one thing yeah, and one thing we did was uh, TV class. And I remember, so I really started out like, I really think of this almost like a like a TV show, where I have each episode and I just kind of try and time the beats and have things happen. Um, it used to be really detailed, and then an entire fight was avoided when <laughs> you talked their way out of a massive pickle they got themselves into. And I realized I can't overplan this stuff because you guys are gonna screw it all up. Um, so then I just started planning arcs like in advance. And uh, what I would do is I would just kind of say, I, by this episode, I want to be here. By this episode, I want to be here. And then um, at the end of each episode, I would try and figure out what to put in the next episode to try and steer us in that direction. Um, sometime, and usually it works out pretty well. Uh, for example, um, uh, there was the episode where uh, Sinead let the crew all couple off <laughs> because we're what is Guildfellow season two, but a dating simulator. And uh, then I also like, okay, why don't you introduce the Usurian ship? How do I do that? Because that's what's planned for next in the season. I was like, oh, I'll just use that coupling off to find a way to make the food disappear. And then they have to talk to the Usurian. So um, I plan out arcs and then I just use whatever happens and I sort of improv off of that. Um, the only time I've ever gotten completely uh, bitten on this was the entire uh, break Sinead out of prison arc I planned. <laughs> because I didn't, nobody had to break Sinead out of prison. But outside of that, it's usually a good system. So, um, yeah, but that, that's basically it. Uh, to keep track of things, I've got uh, a Google Doc called Season 2 Notes. And whenever I introduce something, I'll type it in. So it starts with Giuseppo and it ends with Olga. It starts with. Uh, Giuseppe and ends with Olga from the Zarina arc. Um, and it's just little notes to help me remember who's who and who's doing what. So, and also help everybody else remember too. Um, and that is, and that's pretty much all I do. I hope I answered the question. <laughs> I know it's kind of rambled on, but <laughs> no. Uh, so follow-up question, how far into the, uh, the season would you say we are? Cause I think a few episodes, like 
I think like five episodes or so ago, you said we were like halfway through. And then I think a few episodes later after that, you said we were right. halfway through. <laughs> um, but uh, like, it looks like we're finally, we're, we're starting to get to like the final destination, but there's like, there's all these problems that we have to <laughs> right. solve. So, like, there's a plague that we've forgotten about for, like, three episodes. <laughs> um, there's a revolution. There is marital, uh, not marital problems, familial problems in Vodachi. We have a lot to do. So how, how far, uh, and, and then there's the question of how far are we going to go, you know, after all that is solved, if it gets solved. Uh, so where, where do you think... Where do you think we are? Without giving up too much, um, originally it was like, yeah, I'll just do that in there. And then um, I started extending the season in its length because I realized this is one of the very few 7th C games that I think are is being played for a Spotify podcast or an Apple podcast. I just It's really unique. And I kind of want to get in as many different countries as possible. So that's when I like, added the Usurian arc just because I thought it'd be fun. And I was so excited about introducing Zarina Nina the Ballerina. Um, so all, every time I said it was halfway, I, that was true. I just made it longer, but final answer, this <laughs> is the actual midpoint. This is the halfway point. Um, the exact middle is, um, between last episode and this one. Um, that's gotcha. Where... So like we, we are about to record episode 25 just for, just oh, yes. for reference. Cause I don't know when this episode's coming out. Yes. So this, <laughs> uh, 24 goes up this week and we're about to record 25. Um, cool. Cool, cool, cool. That was just a, a personal question I was curious about. Yeah. Um, this next question is actually specifically for me, um, but I can, it can be applied to, to everyone. And I'm going to read this word for word. These are not my words. These are someone else's words. <laughs> um, the question is, what did Han do to practice for Sinead's beautiful accent? So <laughs> what I did literally is I looked up like a YouTube video um, on, for like a voice coach, someone teaching you how to do, um, an Irish accent. And for the first, like, I, I want to say like first couple, a month or two before, uh, when we were first starting, um, I watched that over and over again. And I like found some phrases that were able to get me into the accent really easily and then I started watching Saoirse Ronan videos just to see how like how I can be more conversational with it um the way that my mind has like melded around this Irish accent now is I used to my default used to be a British accent or like an Australian accent because I did those for season one but now my brain defaults to an Irish accent. So like I like if I try to do an Australian accent or a British accent now, my brain defaults to saying things in Irish vowels. And like <laughs> it's it's harder for me now to do those. But something that's also been helping me a lot is I follow a few really funny Irish TikTokers and I watch them I think almost every day or at least a couple times a week. And that is also really helping me with um with conversational and like more modern takes on on the accent, I think. Uh, let me let me find. You sent a TikTok people. of one Irish uh, redheaded woman talking to her cows, and it just felt like you sent me a video <laughs> of Sinead's doppelganger. <laughs> I was yeah, like, I didn't. I found that randomly on Tumblr. I don't actually follow that girl. the The two that I follow um are i'm irish taylor she's fucking hilarious and uh ruth ruth cod um 
they're both extremely funny. Um, so at Ruth Cod and at I'm Irish Taylor on on TikTok, and I probably will go follow that that cowgirl <laughs> because she just she like emanated just perfect Sinead energy. She was just yelling at cows in a barn, and it was it was incredible. But okay, yeah. so I've talked about my accent. Um, Rob and Amelia, you talk about your accents. Um, there's not a whole lot to say. I did a ton of theater in high school. Um, nobody's really complained about my accent. I kind of, it's, it's difficult because I've, I've talked in like a theatrical British accent to do characters for theater for like so long. And so like, I think I just wing it most of the time. Like, I mean, I know there's variations in British accents. I kind of have Arthur's voice in my head. Sometimes it goes like in places I don't expect it to like mid sentence. But for the most part, it's just like I, it's it's not that difficult for me anymore to kind of talk in my normal voice, but British. <laughs> um, yeah, I had I had no previous experience with an Irish accent, so I had to learn how to do it. Well, um, I'm pretty good at doing accents in general. Like I did an, a Russian accent on the show, just like making, I don't know, just being silly um, in between like a conversation, and I can do like um, Scottish accents and a little bit of an Irish accent, although it. it both are pretty hokey at this point. I would have to just like say phrases. I couldn't like very easily get into them. But I don't know. It's just right. pr- it's just practice over time and like having a good ear for like certain sounds that you're like looking for. I don't know. Like I kind yeah. of like I can kind of like imagine in my brain like the the shape of like how my face is supposed to be when I'm speaking in a British accent. If that makes sense, it's like a weird thing to say. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. it, a lot of it is mouth position and like how you hit certain sounds with like. Yeah, whatever. No, yeah, but for sure. Like, yeah. You just kind of get ahead. used to it. It's a skill, and I've been doing it for for years, so I don't. No, have yeah. I, about it. Irish accent is like very at the front of your mouth, and uh, it's all. And I feel like an an Australian accent is like the opposite. It's in the back of your mouth and very open, where an Irish accent is very in the front of your mouth and very closed. Um, but yeah. Yeah, hard in the R's. You talk with a little hard in the R's. Yeah. Hard in the R's. Yes. Yeah, I um. I'm just fucking around. Uh, I don't really have a lot of experience in the area. Um, I haven't been practicing. I just kind of go for it. I am aware that Q's accent isn't always very French sounding. It just sounds, you know, vaguely foreign. Um, I had a friend um, who was French and he told me once that if you're an American and you're trying to pronounce any French word, if you just pronounce it, the way you think it should be pronounced in a French accent, you're probably like at a 50-50 shot of being right. And that's like the energy that I take into Q's accent. Um, but yeah, I don't have I don't have like theater experience. I, I don't watch it beforehand. I just try not to sound too much like uh, Cezanne Marguerite <laughs> from the most popular girls in school. I figure as long <laughs> as I don't sound like that, um, it could be believable. <laughs> that's very valid. I, I love that because I I was basically saying that without saying that. I do just kind of fucking wing it. But I, I do have the practice <laughs> and stuff like that. But I love this sh- doing this show because it is such a mix of, like, really, like, concrete preparation and hard work and, like, a lot of dedication and also just fucking shooting for the moon. <laughs> like, fucking around. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like at the end of the day, like, we're going to do funny things. 
like Arthur blowing up the <laughs> entire ship. You know, I'm still mad about that. It just was a fun thing to do, and I wanted to do it, and we we won <laughs> it, and we made it a real part of the story. It's a real thing that happened, and our characters address it as such, and it's a lovely blend between the ridiculous and the serious. <laughs> uh, Brennan, do you want to talk about your? Uh, uh, accent work. So uh, it's not the best. <laughs> it's definitely where I'm weakest. It was. It was. Wasn't until a little bit later when I decided I wanted. To, I, I asked to DM season two, and everyone was like, "Yeah, that sounds fun." Afterwards, I'm like, you know, it's funny that the next GM is going to be the guy whose whole bit is that he has an inconsistent accent. Uh, so a lot of the accents are a little bit inconsistent, and I, and I hope that's okay. It's I find it a little bit funny still, even when I'm uh, jamming. But um, Giuseppo's not hard. As I said, it's the only one that I can sort of do because it's not too heavy. It just kind of sneaks in randomly, especially when he's upset. So it's really easy. Um, I've watched like oh, so much of The Sopranos, like only 10 episodes away from the ending. <laughs> and the Italian accent is just kind of seeped into myself and all the other ones uh, has mostly just been YouTube. Um, the, the one I had to work the hardest for was the French accent. Uh, when the knife shop owner was trying to sell something to Sinead, I was, <laughs> and it still wasn't great, but I watched a YouTube video for like two hours. <laughs> um, but the rest of them, I just try and listen. It's just YouTube. And I just try my best. Um, with Dartle, I just forgot I had an accent sometimes. But season two, the other thing with season two is it's a little bit easier to uh, have all these different characters because all the characters are from a specific country, which uh, has is an analog for one in real life. So if I'm going to play a Usurian, I just use five different Usurian voices and then change the pitch. So um, it's a little <laughs> bit easier to choose accents. Uh, keeping them can be difficult, though. <laughs> that's that's how I did the fucking the Southern-themed episode in season one i just did three southern accents and had them uh i think three of them were all different pitch and then one of them was old man um (laughs) so so i got four different characters that way um but yes character voices were a little weak in season one i'll i'll admit i think it was mostly because we didn't really know each other um we weren't super comfortable with each other yet whether or not our on street on screen on air chemistry was uh uh, was showing that or not um but i i think we we have definitely stepped it up this this season and i'm excited to see where it goes next um and speaking of going somewhere next uh next question is does every member of the cast intend to run for a season or would any players prefer to stay as players um this is a complicated question because it's asking us to look into the future and uh we can't do that (laughs) so um we i think every time we're asked something this question in some shape or form our answer changes um because right now this is not confirmed but i think right now our plan is to have amelia do the next season um you know it's funny you say that han because Right before this call, there was someone, I don't remember who, telling me, Amelia, you can just say no to things if you have so many <laughs> okay, D&D I can cut that out. Doing. I can cut that out. No, no, no I'm kidding. I'm to. totally kidding. I'm, I'm actually, I do have ideas um, of a 
couple potential things to do for a third season. So I'm not 100% committing, but I definitely am interested. No, yeah. Yeah, but. no, I like what I was saying is that like, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the direction that we're headed right now. But again, you know, we might decide like, oh, Amelia doesn't have time or has a million other things to do. Uh, we might go back to me. We might just switch to another game and use the same two GMs or I don't, we don't know is, is, is the uh, answer for that right now. But I think we're everyone thinking about would, it. We're thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely question. thinking about it. What a great it. question. Yeah. No, a very Keep good question. Because, Keep asking questions. <laughs> yeah, no. What, ask us every time we do one of these because we'll have a different answer for you. I, I think it would be good for everyone to get a shot at it. I think everyone would like to get a shot at it. Um, cause Rob did really well when we did the one shot with him. Yeah. Um, that I, I hope I did well. That's the only game I've ever DM'd. And if I DM'd this a full season, my only problem is that I would get way too involved with it, which is not a bad thing. It just means I would, I would want to spend a bunch of time making it really, really good. Um, and I'm about to go to professional school. And I just can't really do both. So I probably won't be DMing in, like anything more than a one shot for, for a while, unless something dramatic changes. But Yeah, so, so short answer, we don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> it'll be good no matter what we do. Um, oh, it'll be beautiful. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about returning to the same season one characters. We may or may not do that. Um, maybe I'll do another season, but we do a different game. Who knows? Um, that would, that would be something that I would like to do eventually. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll keep you updated once we do know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, but let's move on. Um, do this next question is, is a good one. Do you try to include parts of your identity into the characters you make, you make and in what ways? Oh, good question. I love it. Oh, I have an answer for that. Uh, Do it. Um, Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think all of my D&D characters contain different bits of my personality. And it's kind of interesting for me to kind of look at them and see what commonalities they have, what sort of tropes or storylines or things I fall back into. Um, But I think one thing that's really important is that all of my D&D characters are incredibly hot which is like really important to me as a person um, because I'm also incredibly hot. And even though this is a podcast and you can't see me, I really do want to communicate that with the way that my characters carry themselves. Um, I think I also really like to incorporate uh, being a little bit of an asshole, but like in a way that you can't really argue with, which I think um, I've really done well with Q more so than Kitsa. Kitsa was incredibly nice. Um <laughs> But uh, And then Q also got my trait of just uh, really loving, beautiful women. And I think that's also a very core part of my personality and being aggressively <laughs> flirtatious when the stakes are zero. That's a very important thing for me when I play D&D or any RPG or 7th C, what have you. So um, yeah, I would say those are like the core parts of my identity. Um, also just being like really good with words, good at talking, forming sentences, you know, the huge. Very nice. Yeah. Rob, do you want to go? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, like, Juilliard was the first D. I mean, I say this all the time when I do these types of things, but oh, we've almost done this twice. But I say it a lot in, like, the Discord and, like, with the other stuff that we do. This is, like, the first time I've ever played, like, TTRPGs in, like, a serious way, like, besides one shot. So, like, Juilliard was the first character I ever created. And I think it was just easy if I was, like, well, I'll just 
talk in my own voice and not really think too hard about it because I was just trying to I was just stressed like trying to figure out how the game works and like what this is and like you know meeting three new people and like trying to like be funny and have good chemistry it was just like a lot so like I think Juilliard by default is like more close to like I don't know like my own personality I mean obviously not all of it I'm not you know a depressed dragon born but I think he talks more in my voice than Arthur does Arthur I gave rules for since he's a knight and so there's kind of certain things that he has to hold like fast to um, with his creed. So I have to think a little bit more along those lines of like, what would he, this character actually do that I've created as opposed to like, what do I want to do in the moment? So it's a little bit more distanced. Yeah. So uh, for me, I was actually kind of thinking about this earlier. I, uh, I have two active characters um the first is being Sinead obviously and the second is my character for SCP play uh Benji and I I was kind of thinking about it the other day and I was like hmm these two are kind of two halves of the same whole like Sinead is very like uh bouncy and energetic and oh my god I want to go on an adventure and let do things without thinking about them and Ben is really the opposite he's like thinks about things very kind of quiet um kind of angsty i wouldn't describe myself as angsty but i was kind of like hmm if you merge these two characters together it just kind of makes uh me but yeah i like when i was younger i was very much like Sinead. i was active i played sports i wanted to go on adventures i read a lot um very very into that sort of thing um but another thing i kind of want to talk about ben it's it's kind of weird playing um someone who is does not identify as the same gender as you do um, and I, I felt kind of like I was betraying uh, women in that way, in that I was I am one of the only females on that podcast, and I was not p- playing a uh, female character, but um, it was a decision of mine to make him bisexual, because that, that's what I am. Um, and it's, it's very important to me <clears throat> to make at least a connection like that to the characters that I'm playing, just so I can feel connected to them and... Uh, you know, have them matter to me, I guess, and feel represented. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it's it's very important to me to have some sort of myself in, in these characters um, in, in very different ways, because Sinead is very not uh, interested in romance, as we've seen so far. But Ben, <laughs> ben might be. So um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it, right now, like, I haven't, really these are my first two campaigns where i've actually like long campaigns where i've had uh like a long-standing character and uh yeah they really just are like two halves of my one whole and i i really didn't do that on purpose because i made ben first and Sinead second but um i i very much like where both of them are going um so that's just my rant about my two characters Oh wait, I forgot something. Um, Zanu, Zanu is me personified. <laughs> that bird boy it was so much fun to play him. I loved being that bird man. Zanu, bring him back. <laughs> Did somebody say my name? Oh lord. Um, Brennan, um, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So um, most of my characters, the biggest aspect I put in there is a lot of self discovery. Um, just because we're, I mean, I'm not, we're all about, we're in similar places in our lives, uh, and that is early 20s, <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, our place. 
and what we want to do. And um, it's for you guys, it may be more certain, but for me I'm, and who I am and who I want to be and what I want to go with my future is something I've been trying to figure out. And um, less so like now, but at the beginning, at the beginning of both season one and season two, uh, that's definitely where it was. Although I've made a lot of progress and uh, since the beginnings of these seasons, um, like Dartle, was one person for his entire life and now all of a sudden he's somebody else you know it's kind of how i felt like going from like high school to college where i used to be um have a little bit of a different personality was interested in different things and then i you know i no longer played a bunch of sports because it's harder to play sports at a (laughs) d1 college than it is at your local high school um and there's other aspects of myself i sort of shedded and other ones i gained and trying to figure out how to be somebody slightly different um Giuseppo you know it's like this is why I get so sensitive when you guys dunk on Giuseppo so much is I I <laughs> definitely uh identify with him a lot and that he's you know he's not, I mean he's about to turn 20 or so, so and that you're a prince of uh two royal yes, families and that's and the biggest problem the two richest people in the world are fighting over me as their heir and that's exactly right <laughs> be, but like Brennan but like you actually contribute to the plot like you do things is, <laughs> is what's different Brennan <laughs> in does Giuseppe does um but in the fact that it's um I meant the the custody thing but partially because that's a pretty you know, easy to establish narrative when it comes to um, royal families, there's heirs and uh, who the heir is. And if you ever played like Crusader Kings, that's like half the game is getting an heir and making sure they have your traits and making sure you have someone to hand your kingdom on to. So that's an easy way to establish conflict. And one that I thought was really interesting for a lot of reasons that, you know, I can go on about, but discover them for yourself. So what you find interesting about that plot, but it's also a metaphor for me of um, finding out who you are. And that Giuseppo doesn't actually know who he is. He doesn't know if he's a Vivaldi or a Marcello, even if he was raised as a Vivaldi. And while I know who I am and who my family is, um, you know, the, that uh, sort of that identity crisis and trying to figure out who you are is something I really put into Giuseppo. And uh, I was, since we are people in our early 20s and we got a lot of life to live and um, we're figuring our place in the world. I, I was uh, hoping it'd resonate with uh, our listener base and the other players as much as it does with me. Very nice. Very, very nice. <clears throat> Excuse me. I thought it would be a great idea to just drink a whole fucking thing of chocolate milk right before we started recording. <laughs> um, I've heard milk is really good for your voice. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, Clay Thompson. Clearing your throat is very good for radio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Add some texture. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a good Wednesday. We have just released season four, episode 33. And um, I wanted to say thank you for waiting so very patiently for this episode. And I wanted to come on here to say that we have officially wrapped season four. Um, Kind of crazy. Um, And what that means is the very next episode is going to be the last episode of Guildfellows ever. Um, kind of crazy, insane, insane. Um, it'll be the last like regular like story episode. We're going to have a season four wrap episode, as we always do. And then we're going to have a podcast 
post-mortem, wrap-up, whatever, whatever, whatever. So, as you're hearing this, if you're in our Discord channel, uh, our question channel will be open for both season four questions and podcast overall questions. I think we're probably going to, like, go season by season and just kind of reflect and see how far we've come and all this stuff. Um, But take this as the opportunity to kind of, you know, talk to all of us as a unit for the last time, possibly. So, um, yeah, that's that's what we're going to do. Um, which also means this is going to be my last announcement, update, whatever thing ever, probably. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's really all I kind of have to say. I'm a little behind on our social media pages, so I apologize for that. But um, we'll we'll get there. We'll catch up. And um, yeah, next week's going to be the very last story episode, season four finale, and then um, I'm not 100% sure when the wrap-up episodes are going to happen. They may not happen for a while, simply because a lot of us are busy um, and we're just kind of working around our schedule. Um, so they might not happen for a few weeks. We're going to try to squeeze them in eventually. Um, we're going to try to squeeze them in quick, but if they don't happen for a minute, then they won't happen for a minute. But They'll definitely at least come out this summer. I will make sure that happens. Um, They'll come out as soon as I can wrangle everyone together. So, um, yeah, that's that's it, I think. That's all I really want to say. I don't really need to go into the regular spiel that I do because, I don't know, it's it's almost over. Um, Yeah, thank you to Arcane Anthems for the, the theme song, as always. Um... And thank you to everyone who has listened uh, thus far. And I'll we'll get into it more once those wrap-ups come out. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I've got. Thank you for listening. Um, that's all I've got for you guys today. We love you all so much. Keep your heads up. Stay safe. We love you. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. How is playing 7th C over D&D? Do you recommend it? Pros and cons? I want to go last. Because <laughs> I got a lot to say. Oh, I wanted to go last. I'll go second <laughs> to last. <laughs> okay, I will, I'll go first then. Um, I, I am inexperienced in both games, obviously. Um, with 7th C, there's a lot... Like, it's a lot more complicated at the start. It seems like making your character is very intimidating if you like none of us had ever played this game before and we're like is this right is this correct and there's not the same like sort of creation tools that you get with D&D but as like after that initial like hill you have gotten over the game is a lot simpler than than D&D so if you like something that is more story heavy and less rules heavy and something that you can like shape a story around. Um, I would recommend 7C over D&D. I think it has given us like a really good chance to bond with each other and like get comfortable with each other um, without having to worry about 
rules and how we're going to do things and like math. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, I I definitely recommend it. If, if D and D is all, you know, um, I, I would highly suggest it. Um, It's pretty similar. I, I think to, to monster of the week, I think it's more similar to monster of the week, which is what we're playing in SCP play, which is why I mention it. But, um, I think it's definitely more similar in that you say that you are going to do something and, um, like, things get, uh, like, melded around that instead of you rolling a number to try to be able to do something, if that makes sense to everyone else. Yeah, it totally makes sense to me. Um, I don't know. So I think I think my biggest takeaway is that I am very glad I played D&D first before playing 7th C. I think if I played 7th C without having played any other TTRPGs, especially for like a podcast, I think I would have been a little bit freaked out. Uh, I don't think I would have known like quite like how to play. Um, I mean, not just like in a literal sense of like, I don't know the rules, but like just even how to go about accomplishing like just like basic like role play tasks. Cause that's at the end of the day, that's basically what 7th C is just like, it's an excuse mm-hmm. for you to roleplay as a pirate of, you know, and pick the country of origin and your preferred magic style to use and then go for it, you know? And yeah. so then at that point, it's just like, it's a really awesome game to play with people that you know really well and are comfortable kind of ad living and being silly in front of. Um, and so I think that like, I, I think doing this season, like if we had done this like game first, I think it would have been completely impossible. I think it would have been really frustrating. <laughs> um I'm like really glad that I like knew everyone for like two years before, I guess like a year and some change before playing Seven C D and D. Like I think because it has a lot more like strict rules about how you proceed and like how combat works and how you go about solving problems. Like there's a certain ubiquity to it that I think it's pretty easy to pick up. But I do think I am entertained on average more by like an average like session of seven c as opposed to D D because D has like i think more lulls when you're doing combat and stuff like that and that's yeah, just kind sure. of unavoidable so for me i think my preference is like i don't know it depends on who you're playing the games with i would say strangers D D, uh close group of friends seven c yeah yeah i would agree with that um i i'm def- oh sorry don't are you done rob i don't want to <laughs> cut in no yeah i'm yeah. good um that that's something i uh, I also want want to say is this is much more story heavy in that some of the stuff is just uh, like one of uh, it's just the whole point of this is to tell a good story to a point where I think the way it was kind of meant to be played, although it's kind of up to you, is that the characters like write their own stories, <laughs> like the, including the ending, which I, you know, I'll get to that later. But um, because it's more story centered, it's it good for a close group of friends or people knowing each other for that reason because you can um it's more about telling powerful stories you know and it's it'd be a little just can you imagine the if in the very beginning of season one we tried to have rob and hannah (laughs) role play that arthur and uh sinead conversation but with their two characters like yeah it wouldn't have worked it just you need uh because it's more story driven it's definitely better for people to know each other better and more comfortable with that uh, level of intimacy with intense storytelling um i've played both of these games quite a bit and um although i've only played 7c as a gm so i can't comment on what it's like to play this game but i can give 
comments on what it's like to GM this game. Um, one thing I really love about it is I don't have to keep as much track of making sure everything's people are like playing by the right rules and everything because it's <laughs> the combat and everything's so simple. Um, the other thing that's fun is it's not as much you succeed or you fail. Almost every single role is you succeed a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's very rare anybody gets the equivalent of a nat 20 and um, gets the highest raise level that they can spend unless they have banked raises from earlier and use them to get up to that one. Um, so that's really rare. And um, it's rare that you completely fail. And I love that sort of realism where if you try and pick a lock, it's not like the lock pick breaks or you do it easily. You know, you do it. It's not as much of a struggle. Um, it's, you know, you succeed a little bit. So everything you want to do, you end up doing. But the consequences for not doing it very well add up and which is what the game's based around. And it's really fun to tell a story that way um, as a GM because you you have to make sure that the consequences to your character's actions matter and what they do tells the story. So that's fun. One thing I don't love is the uh, leveling up system. <laughs> like in the story, in the book, it says the story gives you rewards when you reach your ending. And I'm like, so what are the rewards before you reach the ending? And I'm like, well, I mean, you can, I guess that you can give people magic items, you know, but um, when you write your goal, make sure to include, uh, for your hero, the story, and make sure they know what is at the end of it. And um, I guess it could have had like a monster of the week style, not in not in terms of the RPG, but the phrase uh, game where we had a bunch of little goals that we accomplished along the way. But um, I really like the idea of this one constant narrative in the story, and uh, I it's kind of a little bit less video gamey because you don't go from level one to twenty with specific steps. But it is kind of hard to play the whole game without leveling up. <laughs> so um, the to compromise, you guys are getting much better at the game. And you guys are learning uh, what you can do and getting more comfortable playing it. And so I'm making the game a little bit more difficult, increasing raises, etc. And your real-life skills are increasing. Um, at the <laughs> end of it, I've been toying with the idea of, at the end of, near the end of it, just give, letting you guys, like get the equivalent of all your things and this is like a six steps a five step story so you can remove one corruption you guys can increase uh you guys can change one quirk and change one virtue and increase four skills or something five skills or something and then like having the ending or something just so you guys can level up but it is rough to play a game where you only level up at the end of the story <laughs> so you'd have to play multiple or tell really short stories so uh, that's what it's like for me. No, yeah, I really love your point of, like, you always succeed a little bit. Because in D&D, in &D, it's like, oh, my God, you do it perfect. Or, oh, my God, you can't do it at all. That's not realistic. Like, I, and it's, like, oftentimes it's just up to, I, like, I feel like, at least for me, and I'm probably, maybe I'm not doing this right, but, like, if it was anywhere in between, like, a six and, like, a 15, like, it, the results are just kind of, like, up to your discretion if you're the dm but with with raises in 7c it's like you have cut and dry goals before you roll and like it increases in how like how much you get accomplished and i i think that's a much better way a much better system of of uh telling a story and being able to do things. Yeah, so as somebody that's not a D&D &D homer, I really do appreciate how this game is a lot less like skill checks where like it just doesn't make sense for you to not 
like do them correctly. Like I yeah. like I remember as Juilliard, like one of the very first epi- episodes, I like had to swim through water and like, <laughs> like go through a waterfall, waterfall. and it was a strength yes. and it was a strength check and I just rolled really badly. So this like 64 dragonborn monk can't swim through water correctly he gets bodied like three times in a row and i'm just kind of like this game is bullshit what is this i just i'm playing this because i want to role play somebody that's an athletic amazing dragon dude and i can't swim through water whereas with like you know whereas with arthur i can blow up an entire ship and survive and it looks dope and that's just like way cooler (laughs) so i do appreciate that but like you know (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like I, I I happen to roll well enough to not lose a hand like, you know, that was a check you gave me and I like managed to succeed it. But like, you know, like that could have completely killed the character and have to make a new one. I think that I I still think that being able to do it is cool. So anyway, that's my piece. Yeah, you've had the most close calls with death because I also was going to kill your character in the in the. <laughs> In, uh, in the void, we're trying to drag Glory out. <laughs> You've, you're the only one who's like literally had a chance to die twice. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I like putting myself in those scenarios. Yo, I have so many thoughts. Um, Go for it. Okay, Go for it. so, um, I okay, I'm trying to figure out how to organize this. So, I think first I want to talk about how. Uh, world building works in 7C and D&D and of course Dungeons and Dragons is just such a huge behemoth and there are so many like canonical campaign settings versus what you homebrew um, and it's also explicitly fantasy. One thing that I wish 7C did differently or did better um, it's very much ripped off of fantasy Europe and basically the writers of the book were like well we don't know a whole lot of other cultures so we didn't want to screw it up so we just stuck with what we know which you know right. is kind of a cop out Um so I kind of would have wished that there was a bit more distance um, from like 17th century Europe um, in the planning setting, which of course you could kind of run however you want. But also I think there's a lot to be said for having an entire game system and world setting that is just ready to go for a new DM or an experienced uh, game manager. So that's one thing that I think D&D does better of having these you know, incredibly unique world systems. Um, I also think that Dungeons and Dragons is a better onboarding system for new players. A, again, it's so popular that there's so many websites and tutorials and information out there. But because of what everyone has been saying, um, the way the mechanics work, it is so much focused on dice and adding and subtracting. When you have new players, even people who are close friends with each other, if they've never played RPGs before, um, role-playing is definitely a skill that you can adopt and that you can perfect over time. Um, so I've you know done D&D groups with people who are literal siblings. And as you start out, it's a bit more distant trying to get your feet wet. And so I think it's more friendly to have that system where if you're not comfortable doing all of the accents, doing the intense emotional play, because 7C is so dependent on storytelling as a mechanic that powers the game, um, D&D is better if you haven't quite gotten your storytelling skills up to where you want um, for starting out. And then on the flip side of that, for people like us who are more experienced, especially if you're more experienced playing RPGs in general, not even just with podcasting, um, you will like the uh, versatility that 7C has with the raises, with the ability to narrate your own scenes, um, with the differences, like they were saying, um, the partial successes, instead of just rolling a one and screwing yourself over. 
and likewise, 7C, your characters feel much more human. Like you have a set number of wounds, major wounds and minor wounds that are pretty fixed like throughout the entire game. It's not like as you level, you know, you get shot with eight arrows and you just walk it off because you still have hit points left. So I think that changes gameplay. You're very aware of your mortality. Your characters are making better decisions. I'm thinking a lot um, in the early part of the season, you know, if we were playing D&D and you were in a burning building and you see a fire somewhere, you think, well, I have a plus four to con, so, or I'm proficient in con saving throws, so I'm going to go for it. And it becomes a very mathematical decision of whether or not you have the dice and the stats in your favor. Whereas with 7C, you are just rolling 10s. You may roll more dice, but um, you know the distribution is a little bit different. And you're more worried about dying because it's not just like you can pop a cure wounds to save that. So I think in that way... Um, you can tell very different kinds of stories. Like in 7C, you're not gonna tell the, you're not gonna get to level 20 and fight God. And I think that's okay because I think it focuses more on the individual relationships and kind of the mortality, which again, feels more inherently human because you don't have a character who's an 800 year old elf who is a level three wizard, right? Um, I also, um, oh shoot, I lost my train of thought. Oh, another thing that I think is helpful for podcasts especially um, is the resource management when you do dungeons and dragons you could have a combat scene that takes over an hour easily a a boss battle can take a couple hours uh, or at least in a podcast a full hour or full episode and it takes 30 seconds of in-game time. So you have a decision that uses up your entire character's resources over a 30-second time frame, and then you have to figure out like, okay, we need to take a short rest because I need to get these numbers that are low to be high again, or I need to get more access to dice or spell slots. Um, and I'm... Uh, I know Arthur and my magic in 7C works a lot differently um, because it is tied to wound. So once you use up your, or mine is tied to wound. So once you use that up, right, you are choosing whether you want to cast spells or die. Um, But I think that is also helpful because the battle scenes, we can sort of narrate specific actions. It's not each turn is exactly six seconds. They have the separate like dramatic scenes versus combat scenes. Um, And so that allows your time that you spend playing to be more closely related to the time in game like a lot of 7c is the character building is the exchanges when we're talking about raises talking about the potential scenes that we can set up like that is the flavor in the game when you play DD, you you just roll the dice and then you figure out what happens um and i think that's uh that's really fun to do as a podcast especially because the sort of flavor of the story that you tell is different. It's inherently different than Dungeons and Dragons. So I don't think it's necessarily better or worse. I still think D&D is a better go-to, especially for like my tabletop groups. If you just wanted to run a concept or a campaign, D&D is something that's easier to modify for that. But um, if you're looking for something that you have a bit more freedom with storytelling and you're not too concerned with the details and mechanics and you don't need those as a crutch to help you uh, find your rhythm with gameplay, I would recommend 7C. All good. Yeah, that's okay. I do want to say one more thing. No, sorry, not that I you. Sorry, I forgot no, one good. thing, and I I, uh, I promised me that you, you. I did mean for you to actually go last, and you can totally say something after I say this. But there's one thing I wanted to say, <laughs> um, and that uh, the 
lack of diversity can be tough because there's i mean i'm uh even lee and i are both you know people of color and um it's not that we it's really important to me to me at least is that i try and put people who look like me in a campaign and 100 percent of these characters are from europe <laughs> and um half my family is definitely not and so it's, it's the lack of diversity can be tough. Now you can put like just because you're from Bodachi doesn't mean you're 100% Italian. You can absolutely have people of color around. Um, and so it's just so, but the culture's still there. You know, you're still culturally Italian. Um, well, and when, wait, 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 wait. Pause. I I do think that can, this game does have like canonical lore for it, it Africa does, and um, South America. It and does, America. but like. The way it described it, like, so all of Asia... Is it just really Asia, sparse? It also, I mean, by comparison, yes. And, like... Okay. It's, like, the, we have eight specific European countries and then Asia. Right. Asia right. is <laughs> all of Cathay, which is... And I, I think yes. so in description, it says Cathay, uh, China slash Tibet slash Korea. And I'm, like, so not, you know, Japan, Thailand, Vietnam... You know, it's, like, just Asia, and they're only one country, and then, like, the description's like, there's not much known about these mysterious people to the Far East, and I'm like, oh, yes, <laughs> you know, I, nothing like a good Euro section. You know, the <laughs> Chinese, familiar for not having records. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean not much is known? It's the largest, oldest country ever, other than India, which is also in Asia. <laughs> like, the two largest, oldest countries ever in real life, nothing is known about them. And I'm like, ugh, you know, so um, I'll probably... I'm probably going to have you guys meet some Cathayans at some point, and I'll definitely homebrew all that with more authentication culture. Probably my own, because why not? You know, just yeah, <laughs> in Europe it. and Thailand are the only country, only areas in <laughs> 7C, Brendan's version. Um, but one thing I will say it's cool is that this world is very flawed. And in D&D, it seems a little bit, you know, it's there's very real-world flaws in, in um, 7C and... Um, although it is all Europe, it shows like Europe's biggest, you know, the world's biggest problems. So, um, and you'll notice those more. That's the problems. Now that you guys are going to be back on the mainland, since this is the part you guys actually reach for Dachi and we have more mainline questing going on instead of shipping, you guys are sailing. Sorry. You guys are going to see more of that, but that's, um, every society, every country has inequalities in it and are built that way. Everybody's European. And the only countries that aren't European are the Ottoman Empire and China, <laughs> both of which are kind of on the outskirts. Um, so that's one thing. But so that's one thing. But again, you can homebrew all you want. And I'm going to have a huge homebrew Asian thing for my people. <laughs> Can't wait. Let's do it. Yeah, me too. Um, okay. So we spent a lot of time on that question. Um, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you got a lot to yeah. say. Um, very, very educational um, and very uh, discussion based. So yes, should we do Rob. should we do rapid fire for the rest of them and then go make our content or? Uh, well, the rest uh, of them. We, have one... we have one more long question. Okay. But do you want do you want to skip it? We can skip it if you no, want. No, skip it. I, um, we can make it short. I want to I want to answer this. It's gonna be it's gonna be quick. <laughs> All right, Brennan, go for it. Uh, oh well, let me let me ask the question. Uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> um so, last question we have on here. What have you learned from this season so far that you will take with you in games going forward? Your characters can tell better stories than you can sometimes as a GM, and that's okay. That's it. <laughs> you guys are, have just done a good job that. of telling your character stories and showing arcs, and so uh, making sure you guys have the tools to do that is something I've learned. So, um, 
GMs out there, make sure your characters, uh, if your characters are good at telling stories, let them tell their stories. No, yeah, this is like, again, one of my first experiences with being like a long form player. So I'm, I'm getting more familiar with creating a character, creating their backstory, you know, making them three dimensional, um, you know, giving them life. Um, which I was not super able to do as a as a DM in season one. I had a million different characters to keep track of. Um, so just kind of being able to sit down and focus on on one person in a in a fast paced environment um, is is something that I've been developing in in this season. I think one thing for me uh, that I really like is going into a game system uh, where we're all at the same level of like uh, experience. Um, yes. Because yes. I play D&D almost every day. I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and I've been playing a lot of Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons for years. And um, one of the groups that I play with is very rules heavy. Like I'm talking about like, we haven't written a single free body diagram in any of these campaigns to determine whether something is physically possible or like in my campaign, like trying to figure out like, oh, what's the alkalinity and acidity of this bog so we can determine whether or not I can properly analyze the soil content or um, the other pirate campaign I'm in where we all did like research reading about how shipping worked and how different, like the logistics of piracy and all of that only to realize that we're like, oh, well, we can't we can't start a battle. Our ship might get destroyed and that would be unfair to our crew. Like all this dumb stuff. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do that. That could be me. Oh, Sorry, you know, I, but I'm different. No. <laughs> and I have fun doing it. I really enjoy that. But it's also just very fun to do a campaign where it's just like we're just telling a fun story. It does kill me a little bit on the inside. But also it's uh, <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> it is nice to have something where we're just kind of like, ah, the details don't matter. And my brain is like, but I love the details. And then it's like, well, but they also, you know, you're just trying to tell a story and be entertaining. It doesn't matter uh, about like all of the specific logistics. Also, that's not interesting to hear people spend 20 minutes debating how darkness <laughs> rules work in 5e. Yeah, that's uh, my main concern, really. Which I totally get. It's totally accurate for a podcast. <laughs> so it is kind of nice because every now and then I'll do things and I'm like, technically, I shouldn't be able to do this but i also don't think that they'll care and then you don't care so that's fun <laughs> well i think 7c lets well i think our podcast more specifically i think we can get away with letting people imagine more of the fine details of like how the ship actually gets managed like i think that they can kind of imagine it because i think we do a good job making the characters and the ship itself and like us and what's going on feel real enough that like the you know, if you're thinking about the podcast, you're listening to like how we're describing things, you'll fill in enough blanks where we don't need to talk about the exact knots that are that, you know, Sinead is, is teaching <laughs> to her poor, poor boy that wants to that wants to play <laughs> with her. You know, you know, we don't need like there's more in- interesting things going on, I guess. So I I stopped caring about reality long ago for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> wow. OK. No, I mean, it's just kind of like I, I'm just going to try to you know, role play as best I can and make fun decisions and, I don't know, not not stress too hard about the rigging, as it were. No, yeah, that's good. Um, okay, so that that was the end of our long answer questions. So for the last uh, five, ten minutes or so, we have a few miscellaneous short answer questions that people have asked. The first one is one that I think we've gotten every time that we've done one of these discussion episodes. Um, anime? 
Question mark. We've gotten some form of this question every time, and we know already that Rob and Brennan are the fucking weebs of this show. So, <laughs> recommend any anime that you've been watching. Go. Oh, wait, can uh, I get my answer real quick to the question yeah. anime? Question mark? Yes. Yes. My answer is theoretically. <laughs> Do with that what you will. <laughs> yeah, my answer is hypothetically. Um, okay, so quickly. Um, Doro Hidoro. You'll love it. If you like Beastars, it's animated the same way, but this one's <laughs> way cooler. Yeah, no, Beastars is a solid five. I did watch Beastars. I did watch it. That's that's the only anime I watched on my own portion. So, Doro Hidoro, Attack on Titan Season 4 is dope. Um, Those are my recommendations right now. If you haven't watched either of those two, do that. Come back to me. Uh, I feel like Brennan's are going to be Naruto and One Piece. (laughs) Those are the only two mains. Like, I actually have never seen either one. I don't ever want to. (laughs) (laughs) They're both really long, and I don't think they're going to be good enough to justify the 900 hours of my life. Um, I definitely, I I do, although, yes, I am more of a basic anime person, to be fair. I also am a short anime person. Um, Right now, I might say Mob Psycho. Um, the art style is incredible, and I'm only at the beginning, but it's really fun. Um, and then also check out some anime films. Uh, I recently watched Paprika, and it was totally incredible. It's basically Inception, but before Inception was a movie, it kind of Inception's concepts are the same as this one, and it's uh, an anime, so it's really good. So check out anime movies, anime films. Um, they're shorter, and they can help you add your list of things you've watched. Um, but if you want to show, Mob Psycho. If, uh, if you're in Tulsa, I think Circle Cinema does some anime movies. Every yes, day. I know they the guy who runs that. Too long. Ooh. They're great. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, uh, next. What albums slash artists have kept you sane this year? And we're recording this in 2021, but uh, this was asked in 2020. So what albums slash artists have kept you sane uh, in 2020? Listen. It, Taylor Swift. It has just been... <laughs> The Ohelos ah. and the Anemoy EPs. I cannot stress how much I have listened to the Anemoy EPs, considering the earliest I started listening was from my Spotify wrapped between September 10th and August, or October 31st. I listened to one of their songs 300 times, if that can give oh you God. a basis for how much I am literally just listening to the Ohelos on repeat. It is. Yeah, no, I I have been as well. Like for the past two days, if if I'm in my feelings, I'll just put on fucking all the all the oh hello. Shit They're, so and just go. They're so good. They're so good. Always applicable for every mood. You're happy, listen to it. You're sad, it just it's like salt. You just add it. It enhances the flavor of whatever emotion you're currently experiencing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyone else? Um, oh, you first, the song Ups and Downs by Kyle uh, is like my favorite song of all time. It's like the best I'm sad song. Um, I listened to that the first time after a major breakup, and then I listened to it a bunch during 2020. It's a great song. Um, also, I've just been listening to like just a bunch of random things. So it's been a lot of Schoolboy Q, weirdly, and... <laughs> I'm trying to think who else is on my Spotify wrapped. Um, Amine and Origami, who is a German producer who also uh, makes like lo-fi rap songs. I listen to him a lot, and he's really great. Yeah, if you if you are into video games at all, especially Nintendo, go find Game Chops. Uh, he's very good. He I play him at the beginning of every Twitch stream that I do. He's very chill, very cool, uh, very good for productivity. So highly recommend. 
Also, lo-fi beats. Um, yes. What is, what to, is it called? To study yes, and relax study too. Relax. Yes. So that girl. Everybody <laughs> so knows that. Good. Everybody knows that girl. That girl's the homie. She is. Um, so for me, uh, I've been listening to a ton of folk songs, traditional folk songs, because I love to sing and love to sing along. I'm not a good singer, but I sing a lot. Um, but to the, <laughs> the annoyment of a lot of my friends. Um, so I've been singing... Uh, uh, like oh Danny Boy or oh, Wayfair and Stranger, Green Sleeves, um, and a lot of sea shanties. Interestingly enough, foreshadowing maybe for something soon. Um, so just something like just you know folk classic folk songs I love to sing in a car. Um, I list my favorite artists AJJ and Jeff Rosenstock. That's my two favorite uh, artists ever. Go check them out. Uh, one's uh, ska punk, the other one's folk punk. AJJ's folk. Uh, Rosen- Rosenstock is ska. Um, then. This year specifically, there's a guy named Sean James who recently got pretty big because his music was in Last of Us 2, which was a really big release recently. I have never played the game, but I love his, like, soulful, <laughs> like, gravelly voice. Um, it's really fun to listen to. And driving around Tulsa during the pandemic, listening to him belt out, like, you walk through the shadow of the Valley of Death has just been awesome. Um, yeah, so those are those are my biggest ones. Cool. Uh, this question is aimed specifically at Amelia, so no one else can answer. Um, <laughs> specifically for Amelia, you recommended I pick up the Magnus Archive some time ago, and I've been obsessed ever since. Because I've enjoyed your previous recommendation so much, do you have any other suggestions? I do indeed. Um, so one podcast that I've started but haven't finished is called The McElwraith Statement. Um, it's kind of it's similar to the Magnus Archives in that it's about the paranormal, but it's about a woman who can actually see and interact with ghosts who uh, joins an academic research study trying to prove or definitively disprove the existence of ghosts. Um, it's very interesting. It's an entirely different vibe, but it is much more like realistic. Um, you know, the Magnus Archives is like, obviously this couldn't happen. This These seem more plausible, I guess, I would say, as far as ghosts go. Um also, if you're into the Magnus Archives, I would highly recommend you listen to the Mechanisms album. Um, their main singer and writer is the man who authored the Magnus Archives, Jonathan Sims, and uh, same name as the main character. I would recommend you listen to the album and then you listen to it again with the lyrics pulled up so you can understand what's going on. I am never not thinking about the Bifrost incident. They also are all incredibly gay. So they are also very sad, um, which is basically just the magnus archives um and then like you know like the usuals like lore who hasn't recommended lore uh, but those are things that are in a similar vein that i would recommend very nice i started listening to the mile higher podcasts i just listened to the casey anthony episode it's a true crime podcast i think it's true true crime and like uh weird weird shit that happens in the world um i i listened to the whole casey anthony episode of the mile higher podcast on a plane back to la um, highly recommend. Very interesting. I'm going to listen to more. So that's my one recommendation, if you like that sort of shit. Cool. I'll move on. <laughs> um, what is the next TTRPG system you want to try on the show? Slash, what are some that you would like to try? I think I saw one the other day. I think it's only made for three people. So maybe we'll do it as like a one shot or something. But um, it was superhero themed. I think it was called um, Anyone Can Wear the Mask. Um, like one person is a villain, one person is a hero, and uh, the other person is like the city. Um, so that seems cool. Um, I love Monster of the Week. 
Um, so maybe eventually we'll do that, but not for a while because that's what SCP Play is doing. Um, there's one called Kids on Bikes I would like to try. It's like all the Stranger Things, fucking Goonies, all that tropey kids in the 80s on bikes tropes that I would like to try. Uh, anyone else have suggestions? I have a few. Um, I'd really like to run Call of Cthulhu or Vampire the Masquerade because Brennan oh, seems like he'd be really easy to scare. And um, <laughs> okay. I really I... feel like we're missing out on an opportunity there um, <laughs> because I feel like I could make some very creepy, very sexy content. Um, I also, if we can ever get in person again where we can all physically be in the same space and drunk off our asses, I would really love okay. to play Dr. Magnet Hands. I've always wanted to DM it, but I didn't know it existed until quarantine, so I've never gotten to play it. It is a game where being drunk is mandatory. It is so incredibly chaotic and seems extremely my shit. It's like a two-page RPG or a one-page RPG. Um, I think we would have a lot of fun. Um, I also recently pre-ordered uh, the kickstarter thing for thirsty sword lesbians which i just think would be fun to play just in general so we should do that fuck yeah, yeah. let's do it anyone else um so i have a friend who's always recommending call of cthulhu um however i scare so incredibly easily it's ridiculous like one of my friends you heard it like, here first call of cthulhu <laughs> season three is confirmed yeah, absolutely season three not confirmed. no but one of my best friends were like hey let's watch a movie let's watch a horror movie and i one of my other friends had to call her and be like i hope you know brendan's gonna be there and he's not too keen on that kind of stuff um and my biggest fear is I actually make vampires cry. i i cry a lot so it's not hard but my biggest fear is also vampires so that's why that's why i i can't do that oh my lord i'm so terrified by the vampires um the the one i would really like to play actually and i would want to dm it because i want to do all the characters although i don't have to but i just want to have multiple characters to play it's called blaze in the blades in the dark um, <gasps> i love blades in the dark it is so good it'd be so good so for a podcast cool, and it'd be amazing for a podcast and um it's and for those of you who don't know it's uh like heist uh crime criminal uh fantasy industriousness but not like steampunk it's like fan it's like just industry and um it's great for me because the only accents i can do really consistently are all like urban so i can do boston i can do brooklyn like nobody's business i can do jersey italian so i can do urban accents much better than like fantasy medieval russian and i would definitely love to be able to do that because it'd be easier for me more natural and also that aesthetic is awesome yes <laughs> blades in the dark if you guys ever let me GM okay. again, I will not want to do anything else. Uh, all right. If that if that's everyone for that. Um, last two are just quick. Uh, almond milk or soy milk? Oat milk. Almond. Almond. Oat milk. I've never Oat had milk. almond milk yeah. in my life. <laughs> I fucking hate almond milk. It sucks. What? It's water. Um, I like almond milk. Mushy nut water. <laughs> I, I prefer you. actual milk. Yeah. To the, I to do the too, other, but... but that wasn't the question. But like oat milk in your um, coffee? Some Some... Some decisions were made yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Um, um, my sister bought Oreo creamer, Oreo flavored coffee creamer, like over Christmas break, and that shit was incredible. Turned your coffee into a milkshake. Hmm. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, it cost um, me like a year of my life, but, you know, fuck. <laughs> it's the best way to get caffeinated. Yeah. Um, favorite color. Everyone's favorite color. Go. Green. Black. The blue green Crayola crayon, but I'm in a lavender phase right now. Um, mint green is my favorite color. Uh, lavender is a close second, though. 
Um, but okay, that was the last question. Um, anyone else have anything to say or ask? Does anyone have any questions for anyone else here? Or anything? I will answer anything you ask me on the air. <laughs> <laughs> That's dangerous. <laughs> Did Bush do 9-11? Oh. No, don't ask that. And now that now we're on the watch list. I didn't realize you were going to quiz us on history, Hannah. <laughs> we, we just made some FBI guy the biggest TTRPG Guildfellows fan ever <laughs> for the next three months. Okay, uh, let's end it then. Uh, Bye. Yeah. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining us. We'll probably do this again at the end after we're done with season two. Um, just because I like doing these and I like getting questions from you guys. Um, so join our discord so you can ask us questions whenever we open that up again, uh, link will be below or episode description, whatever. Um, but yeah, we love you guys. Uh, we're going to go record episode 25 now. Um, but yeah, we love you and we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.